Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 81 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lowell. Peter is with me tonight. No Todd. Todd is taking care of the family. Thank you to all the folks that take care of us, Rhonda and the folks at r Management, Dwight at ddgcustoms.com, and Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. Super appreciative of all of you. Uh, I did put out last week, Peter, or this week, I don't remember. We made over $1,000 for Habitat with all the stuff. So that's super cool. Yep. And hopefully we'll double that this year, you know, and Veterans Outreach will, you know, it'll get around $2,000. That would be super fun. You can get a hold of us at AVG Cheese on Twitter. You can email us like Eric from Greendale did today, avgcheese at gmail.com. And we have a website that we'll get to soon. And Facebook. I have not been on the Facebooks <laughs> in a long time. In fact, I think I've abandoned the Facebooks. And now that uh, Elon Musk owns Twitter, I wonder if that'll change. I wonder if I can... I wonder if that'll change anything about Twitter. Maybe I'll get like an edit button or something for his $45 billion. Monday. Today is Monday. Three days away from the draft. See, I've lost track of days already. I'm getting very, very excited. And then, of course, it will just be on to next year's draft. Yeah, you'll immediately start switching into the... Yep. So we can't even call it the UK draft guide because I read it and I'm not from the UK. Maybe we should call it the worldwide draft guide next year. Not we. I just took partial ownership of something I absolutely <laughs> have done nothing for. So maybe you can call it the worldwide draft guide since it's now all over the world. Do you know how many downloads you've had on the UK draft guide? No, but what I do know is that we hit a record or the UK Packers site hit a record amount of internet traffic or web traffic on that site. I don't know whether or not we know how many downloads. How long have you been doing the PDF version of the draft guide? So this is the third or fourth year that we've done it in this in this format. I would really like to put all of them out on the Average Cheese website to be able to go back into the archives. Would that be all right? I don't, I don't see why not. I don't want to step on anybody's toes over in the UK because we're coming. I did look into it. It's pretty cheap to fly to London. I was really surprised, kind of. You, you have to get a return, though. You realize that. It's not just one way. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> unless, That's you're true. Sw- unless you're swimming back. Yeah, fuck that. I can't swim for shit. And we cuss for charity. Veterans Outreach just got 50 cents. No, hell no. I can't swim for shit, Peter. <laughs> so I will be getting a return flight back, but it's only $600 to fly from Chicago to London. So I'd assume it's 600 back because Marcy is a genius. She has figured out how to manipulate the credit card world for points. So we will be flying for free. <laughs> hell Great yeah, stuff. Marcy. So we're flying over there for free. We'll have to pay on the way back. And I saw that May 4th, they're going to put out when the international games are. So I will be sitting there at 12 a.m. on May 4th so I can get a plane ticket and a decent hotel room, which we'll have to talk about off the air. 
Like, I don't want to be, I already been in the hood in Detroit. I don't want to be in the hood in London. <laughs> or do I? I don't know. Is there a hood in London? So we've got our pre-draft show. We're going to answer some questions from friends, which is cool. I'd also like to get your thoughts, Peter, on the other positions. Since we spent an entire show talking about wide receivers, I'd like to know what other positions you think are a direct need and an immediate need in the draft for the Packers this year. We should talk a little Sammy Watkins. Just signed with the Packers in the last week or so. Let's jump in. UK draft guide all over. Now you're going to start on the 2023 version. I've already started. Okay. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> what do you start with when you start the UK draft guide? Like, do you have like an outline? How does that even work? Basic outline and then your starting list of players that you think are going to come out in the 2023 draft. So obviously the seniors, but then there's a bunch of underclassmen who are th- will be three years removed from high schools and you start off. Hey, typically you start off, who, who are the names that you already, you know, got a lot of notes about and in your head. So you're looking at the CJ Strouds quarterback of Ohio State. You're looking at you're looking at Will Anderson at Alabama. And then you just start to build up who's the next guy, start to build up your quarterback list and just go from there. So there's already notes on 100 and something players. There's notes on them already in the in the 2023 document. So those are those are from my existing notes from watching games in the previous years. You know, when I'm looking at games as they happen or the week that they happen, and I'm making notes on let's let's just say somebody from Alabama for this season. Then I'm making notes as well about the court Bryce Young, about Will Anderson and, and others. So this stage, it's just really just typing up those those straight notes straight into the into the document, and then we'll work on them. And part of the reason for doing it now is because I've been in full swing for the last as you know, two or three months getting to the point with the 2022 document. So so really get my notes out there for the 2023, then I can take a break from it. Well, I'm still on a roll. I just keep I just keep, keep going. And then it's nice to be able to come back to it and have, you know, a really good outline of stuff already there. So you've done this draft guide for 2022 and there were guys that you took off the list because they decided not to turn pro. Like guys that could have come out after their third year, but decided not to. What guy should have come out this year that didn't declare? And now that you look at your list of guys, is there a guy that like, okay, is there a guy that should have come out this year? I was thinking the question going the other way and and guys that we had on the list of probably coming out this year that decided. So I'll I'll answer my own question. I'll answer my own question first while I think about the answer to your question. The guy that we had on the list last year that we thought would be a high pick in this draft was, was the quarterback Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma. Didn't have such a great 2021 to the point that he was benched relatively early in the season. So quite rightly, he didn't he didn't come out for this draft. And at the point where we thought he was going to come out, you know, he'd slipped way down the draft board from right near the very top to who knows where. You know, I look at him for 2023, trying to get my years right. So he's transferred to South Carolina. We've got him back in our list for 2023. And the hope is that he plays in 2023 like he has done, like he did in 2020 and, pre- and, and previous years. So I guess that's the guy that, that we thought would come out this year and didn't come out. Is there a guy that should have come out this year that stayed in college for a year? There's a number of guys, I guess, that we thought might come out. Boston College quarterback Phil Jerkovic, we thought might come out this year, hurt his wrist. So he had, he had a wrist problem for much of the 2021 season and therefore didn't come out. He might well be a first round pick. So we're already talking about that's three quarterbacks we've mentioned as, or four, if you throw in Spencer Rattler as potential 
high picks next year. So you can already see it's it's potentially a quarterback heavy draft. I'm trying to think of any others off the off the top of my head. I don't think there was anybody in particular that we had on our list for this draft, the 2022 draft, that that really didn't come out that we thought probably would. I want to say there were about 50 guys that were in our list of about 500 players that I had to move 2022 to 2023 draft when they didn't come out. But there wasn't a huge, other than Rattler and Jerkovic, there wasn't a huge names in there. You thought, oh, that's really surprising that that guy hasn't come out. Let's talk Sammy Watkins. We talked wide receiver in episode 80, which is apropos. Is that the right word? I don't know. And then the Packers signed Sammy Watkins. Are your thoughts on Sammy Watkins? You look at that deal in the context of where the Packers are with their receiving core. You know, having lost Devontae Adams, you know, you're looking at Lazard and Cobb, Amari Rogers. What it does, if nothing else, it gives the Packers a little bit more flexibility heading into the draft. Before the signing of Watkins, I think everybody would have been feeling just looking at the roster, the state of the roster today, you'd be thinking, we've got to come out of it with two wide receivers. Don't necessarily have to be two first rounders. I'm not saying that, but you're probably thinking, I need to come out with two wide receivers that can play. They're not necessarily in that position now, having signed Sammy Watkins. They've got they've got one guy straight away. I still believe that they'd like to come out with with two, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if they came out with a first, with a with a high first round, one of the top receivers in the draft. Somehow or other, they managed to finagle a Jamison Williams or somebody like that. And they got a guy in the, you know, a Taekwon Thornton or somebody in round four or round five. Wouldn't be the end of the world. I just think that the Watkins, they get a receiver that's going to give you 40 catches, 600 yards, 50 catches, 700 yards. That's over the course of his career. That's been the type of receiver that he's, that he's been. And part of that's been because of the injuries that he's had. Lots of niggling injuries, you know. He'll play 10 games this season, 13 games that season. But that's kind of what you're signing. And I think the deal that he's got, the, the, the one-year contract, which you know is $4 million with all the incentives. So it's a lot less than that. It's something like $1.85 million without the incentives. It's a win-win deal for the Packers. So there's nothing to, to lose in that. I think there's only 350000 in guarantees, the signing bonus. So even if they cut him in training camp or at the, you know, the cut-down, it's only 350k against the cap. So from a Packers perspective, that's a win-win deal. You mentioned what I was going to say, and that it's a one-year deal. Sammy Watkins is a, I wouldn't call him a household name, but he's well known in the NFL. But he isn't wide receiver one. He cannot be wide receiver one with the Packers. The Packers need to go up and pick a, a guy early to be wide receiver one because Sammy Watkins isn't it. Even if he plays well, even if he plays above his normal standard, he's not going to jump to 80 catches and 1,200 yards. Is he playing with the best quarterback in the league? Yes, but he played with Kansas City. He's already played in a great offense with a great quarterback. So you can't expect him to make this huge jump just because Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the football. If he only signed for that kind of money, that means no one else was giving him bigger money than that. So while I like it and I like that they brought in a guy, if he gets 40 catches for 600 yards, he's going to be the second best wide receiver on this team for sure. Then great. Sammy Watkins is great. And I think he's also a reminder to all of us that get wrapped up in the draft process that he was the fourth overall pick in the 2014 draft. And he's never hit the heights that you would hope for. You know, he's had one 1,000-yard season in eight years in the league. A timely reminder to all of us that, that draft position is no guarantee that you're going to get 
the next Jerry Rice. Talking of the number four pick in the draft, this is episode 81. Once again, I screwed up. Shocking. Desmond Howard is our Packers 81, and he was the fourth overall pick in the 1992 draft. Excellent segue. Which, which was, which is, uh, <laughs> which is, which is really interesting because the Packers wanted him in that draft, and it would be interesting to see how history. We'll never know how history would have changed had the Packers picked him because the Packers wanted Desmond Howard in that draft, and the Packers picked fifth, and they took Terrell Buckley. Buckley never turned into that shutdown corner that they hoped for, but had a long NFL career. But we, you know, it'd have been. We'll never know. We can make up our own history as to what might have happened had the Packers picked. Desmond Howard went to the Redskins, of course, and never really took off as a as a wide receiver. Won the Heisman Trophy previously at, at Michigan. Never really took off as a as a wide receiver, and then you know been a um, an unrestricted free agent. You know the Packers picked him up prior to the '96 season. You could almost summarise the '96 Desmond Howard in '96 season by saying the rest is history, because it really it really is. And he was. One of those guys for the 96 season that pushed the Packers to a championship was the missing piece or the additional piece that they, that they didn't have. And we haven't really had since, if, if you like. You know, three punt returns for touchdowns during the season, set a record number of punt return yards. And then I think we all remember the San Francisco playoff game in the mud and the slop that he returned one punt for a touchdown, another one nearly for a touchdown. And the comical moment, of Desmond Howard's career, the second half kickoff of that 49ers divisional playoff game. That I don't remember. So, well, <laughs> so the Packers were receiving the kickoff for the, for the, in the second half of that divisional playoff game in the slop and the rain and the mud. 49ers kickoff. Desmond Howard's not back there to return it. He's still in the locker room changing his jersey and whatever else. It gets worse. The 49ers recovered that kickoff down inside the Packers 10 yard line and immediately scored. <laughs> and, uh, I do not um, remember that. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> so, and so no yeah, one realized that there was no one back there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. That, not till the kicker. That's some Mo Drayton type shit right there. Right. That's what that is. <laughs> so we, we go on about special teams now, but we forget there were some, some great, there were some special, special teams moments back then. And it it's funny when you get to watch it again and you need to go check it out again because all the blockers in front of him are there going ahead. Blocking. And- That's crazy. <laughs> I do not <laughs> remember that at all. Yeah, second half kickoff. We'll check it out. It's it's funny. You could laugh about it now. And now again, Packers yeah. went on to win, you know, by a couple of touchdowns. And, and then, of course, we go on to the Super Bowl that year and Desmond Howard's 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, which although the Packers ended up winning by 14 points, it came at a, a great time. time. The, lead, yes. the lead had been cut to six at that point, came at the, at the perfect time. You know, if there was a point where the momentum of that game was swinging, it was swinging before then and it swung back to the Packers and they never looked from that point. Reggie came through with his three sacks late in, the, in that game. And one of the truly great plays in Packer history, 99-yard kickoff return. And interestingly enough, the only kickoff return for a touchdown in Desmond Howard's pro career. Really? So we think, yeah. So we think of him as a great returner. Yeah. Lots of lots of punt returns for touchdowns. And that, one in, that one in Super Bowl 31 was the only kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, what, what more can you say about Desmond Howard? He left the Packers to be, a, again, as a free agent after that, came back for another year, but will always be associated with that 96 team and will always be considered one of the one of the key guys when you look at that 
stand back and you look at that team and a team of lots of key guys, but just what he gave them something that they didn't have. Super Bowl MVP, the only special teams player to win um, the Super Bowl MVP. Just a great, great part of Packers history. That whole team, you know, you look at all the superstars on that team and then you talk about a guy like Desmond Howard who came off the shit heap, basically. Andre Risen too, coming off the shit heap. Like they had all those great players, but it took those two pieces to put them over the top, as great as that team was. Yep, yep. You had great coaching, but you also had a great front office and picking those picking those guys up. And the, the other name that comes to my mind, and I know we're kind of going sideways, the other name that always comes to my mind with that team is the left tackle, Bruce Wilkerson. Because to this day, not everybody would be able to name who was the starting left tackle on that team. No, they'd say Uh, Ken Rutgers about 99% of the time, right? You know, Rutgers played one game that year in the middle of the season, coming back from injury and and was injured again. And Gary Brown started the season at left tackle. And then John Michaels, who was the first round pick, played at left tackle. Bruce Wilkerson, who'd spent most of his career playing at right tackle for the Raiders and and other places. Just one of those veterans that every team has, but you don't notice, was the starting left tackle on that Super Bowl team. Desmond Howard, episode 81. <laughs> there aren't a lot of 81s. It could have been the Rich yeah. McGeorge episode. Oh, yes. Well, Rich McGeorge, great player. I always think of, you know, he was the, the tight end before Paul Kaufman. Yeah. yeah so, every, you know, everybody thinks of Kaufman. McGeorge was a very similar type player. First round pick out of Elon College. Elon College. That's Division Elon Three, College. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Great player on, again, some bad teams in the really 70s. Really bad there, teams. But which I can remember vividly, but I don't remember that kickoff that Desmond Howard was not <laughs> need there. To go look, need to go look. I'm it. watching that after this show. <laughs> I'm going to Google that. So last episode, episode 80, the driver Lofton episode, we talked about wide receivers and pass catchers the entire time. I guess this is kind of a non-wide receiver episode before the draft. What are the three greatest needs after wide receiver? Every year. We probably have this same conversation, and I, and I know for a fact that we had this conversation last year. Defensive line is always a need for the Packers. And last year, we thought that uh, Christian Barmore was going to be the guy. I forget the name. We had a name the year before that off the top of my head. I can't, re- can't remember. But I think the problem with defensive line is typically there's only one or two of those guys that, that are kind of first round type guys. But for me, if the right player was on the board, then then for me, the first need would be defensive line. And I say that knowing that we have Kenny Clark, obviously. But for me, I think one way you test is how good does your team look if you take that player out? Now, other positions, you can do that. You know, you could take out Aaron Jones and you've still got AJ Dillon and you've still got Kylan Hill hopefully coming back and you've still got Patrick Taylor. So you could survive at running back. You'd struggle on the defensive line if you took out one player, Kenny Clark. So... For me, defensive line is a big need. I think offensive line is a big need. And that might sound odd, but the reason I say that is you look at the tackle spot and you've got possibly the best left tackle in the game, but we don't know what his medical situation is. Only played part of one game last year, last game of the season, last regular season game. You've lost Billy Turner. So you're moving Josh Nyman to right tackle. Now, Nyman played really well at left tackle. But we wait to see. Is he going to make that transition to right tackle? We don't know. Elton Jenkins is injured. He's probably going to miss half the season, potentially. So I think offensive line could be strong with what we've got. But there is also a lot of question marks there. And the third one, well, I'm kind of, I guess, Ed, because you could never have enough 
edge guys and having lost Z Smith, Preston Smith and Gary. And then there's a little bit of a void behind those guys. You've got young guys like Jonathan Garvin, um, Tipa Nalliai. But there's, you know, you don't have that third really strong pass rusher there. So I guess, I guess Ed um, would be the third one, but I can make a case for other positions as well. Twitter is full of mock drafts, right? Like there's one about every four seconds when you scroll on Twitter and, I feel like people are trying to outsmart themselves. Like, you know that wide receiver is a great need. And a lot of the mock drafts have wide receivers in them. But I've seen safeties as a first pick. And I wouldn't argue with that. Defensive linemen and offensive linemen, too. And like you just said, I think that the, the greatest need is defensive line. But like you said, do you get a guy at 22 or 28 that's going to be that difference maker that you need right now? My second position, I would say, is edge. Not that I don't like Grishon Gary and Preston Smith. I think they're great players. But behind them, there is nothing. Nothing. Tipa Nallier is a practice squad guy. Jonathan Garvin doesn't have the physical tools, I don't think, to be great in this league. The last chance you guy whose name totally escapes me right now, Chauncey Rivers, who I don't even think ended up on the team at the end of the year. Like they are, they're just guys. So I would say that edge is a very big need. I'd say it's two. And then I think offensive line, because you always need offensive linemen is three for me. And I would say safety because you don't know what Amos is going to do long-term. He's almost 30. Like, and you don't know if Darnell Savage is ever going to be that guy either. As much as I want him to be, and I see all that, that Raz, that athletic score, he's off the charts athletically. But that doesn't always equate to being a great football player. I mean, some guys are freak athletes and there's a million of them Davy and Clowney Javon Curse, like a bunch of guys that were just ridiculous athletes in college and it never translated to the pros I mean Rashawn Gary we were thinking was that guy too back in the day like he wasn't and that was a good believe the fourth on my list and I absolutely agree with you and and of course the Packers have got a decision to make the week after the draft about the fifth year options for Gary and, and Savage they absolutely take the fifth year option on Gary, Gary. for sure yeah yeah I'm assuming they'll take it on Savage, but I don't think it's 100% certainty. May the 5th, I think. May the 5th of this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, they, so, so they have to do it this year for next year. For next year. year, yeah. So you have to make a decision, basically, that you could have made in late January, early February, because you already yeah. know the guy that you have. You just have to, I, I guess it waits till after the draft to see what yeah. you draft and then you decide. So if we're going off of what you said the need was, let's defensive line. And we agree on that. Is there a guy at 22 or 28 that can make a difference on a team looking to win a Super Bowl? Or do you have to package picks to move up? So for me, you've got the two guys from Georgia. You've got Jordan Davis. And Devontae Wyatt. Jordan Davis is six, six and a half, 350, plays probably closer to 370. He's a huge guy, runs like a 47840. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. We talked about him. <laughs> There's a guy that I don't think will drop to 22, but he, I think he's a guy, if he's sitting there at pick 15, 16, 17, and the wide receivers maybe that you were looking at aren't there, that's a guy that. I could absolutely understand moving up four or five spots to get, you know, throwing in whether it's a third rounder or a fourth rounder, preferably to move up those four or five spots to get him rather than lose. 
opportunity to get him. So I, I could I could absolutely see see that. I don't think he drops to 22, but I think he might be there, 15, 16, 17. So so I could I could kind of see that. Devontae Wyatt's a smaller guy, six. Well, I say smaller relatively. <laughs> Relative to the 370 yeah, yeah, pound yeah. man you just talked yeah. about. So it's you know six six three 300 and just over 300 pounds. And there are a number of swirling question marks from a character point of view. We don't know how many of the stories that are swirling are, are, are true, so I don't want to go into into those because it might be all complete nonsense because a lot of that nonsense comes out at this this time of year. So only the teams will. He's likely to be there when the Packers pick. He's not a, for me, he's not a big enough difference maker to make that pick at, at 22 unless, unless there isn't, a wide receiver there there isn't an edge guy there you know he's a solid pick at 22 i guess is the that's where i'm getting to and he would slot in as a three four defensive end yeah should we get the questions from friends or do you want to talk a little bit more about edge guys and safeties before we move on the edge guys and, and safeties because i think edge is a really interesting position in this draft in that you know the name that keeps just keeps jumping out at me off off the board is david ajabo okay and the reason he jumps off the board is because had he not been in, had he not torn his Achilles tendon in his pro day, he's probably going in the top 15 or top 10 of this draft. Right now, a lot of that's based on potential because he's basically played one and a bit at, at Michigan, played football in high school, but not huge amounts of football in high school, grew up in Scotland before he moved to the States. But his upside is huge and he's a, a fantastic athlete, can rush the passer, will run running plays down from behind. He's a guy that if you could get that guy at 28, then I think you have to consider it, even though you know that he's not probably going to play the whole of 2022 because you're getting a potential top 10 player at pick 28, and that's difficult to turn that guy down. And the blown Achilles doesn't give so, you so pause? It gives you pause, but I think in this day and age, I mean, I mean, yeah, immediately that it happened. So it happened in his pro day in, in March. They were talking about, it's a five to six month injury. You know, it's September that, you know, it's August, September. Realistically, it's probably not going to be ready to be matched, what we would call match fit. Might be able to play a few downs, but you're probably looking the October, that kind of time, if everything goes goes to plan. And that's the, that's the big question mark, isn't it, about anybody that's going into a draft with injuries is you assume that the recovery goes to plan. There's a percentage that, for whatever reason, don't, you know, and we know from our own experience, we take David Bakhtiari, it took a whole year for him to come back from the ACL. Now, different injury, he's older, different position. I get, I get all that. You know, you just never quite know how long that injury recovery is going to be. But for a young guy like that, if it is five or six months and the medical teams will, will know, for me, it's a no brainer because I think you, to get the shot at a guy that you'd never normally get a shot at, because he would be going so high in the I personally wouldn't turn it wouldn't turn it down if he's if he's sitting there at, at 28. The thing with Ojabo though is if you are the Packers who are trying to win a Super Bowl now. Yeah. Is- said today in his press conference that they are looking long term, but that's what I heard that they're looking long-term. So this fits with what he said today. Ojabo yeah. is a guy for the future. And if you're picking edge. If he's your second pick in the first round, I don't want to say you can let him wait a year, 
but you can let him wait a year. If you believe he's that talented and he slips to you and he's really your third edge guy anyway, you do take that chance. If you are getting that talented of a player, you have to go out and get that guy. The more now edge guy that might be available then is the Karlaftis from Purdue. He's the probably can contribute more not well clearly he can if he actually gets on the field now but he doesn't have the upside of no jabo yeah i think that's right and i and i don't think he's quite the athlete ajabo is but you're right the greek freak is really strong is actually more of a bull rusher than than beating doesn't have that kind of what they you know the bend around yeah. the head but he's going to be perfect right. for the packers cuz they just want you to stiff arm the tackle and run him over so he's right he really <laughs> yeah. fits into yeah. the scheme yeah. pretty well you're absolutely right you know he's going to contribute day 1 he's going to be that third edge guy day 1 so if you're looking at that guy that i have to have a guy that's going to contribute day 1 then 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 Kalaftis would be the guy if he's if he's there at 22 and that's kind of as always with these drafts you never know whether one of these guys perhaps he would be there at 28 because if there's a run on wide receivers before him or a run on one of the other positions, if one or two of these quarterbacks go higher than we expect, then somebody else has to drop down. I think that part of the decision might be, what have they done at 22 that determines what they do at 28? So if somehow or other, Jamison Williams got to the Packers at 22, and he won't, but if the Packers traded up to 15 or 14 and, and got Jamison Williams who for me is the top wide receiver in this draft, you're picking a guy who's got an, in, an injury recovery time, then I think you don't do the same thing again at 28. So that to me would rule out taking a, a Jabo. You don't want both of your top coming in with a, a recovery time. Conversely, if you've taken one of the other wide receivers or a, somehow or other you've got a Jordan Davis at 22 or slightly higher than that, then you might consider a Jabo at 28. So we have questions from friends. Eric from Greendale asked this question, defensive players in the draft that would make an immediate impact for the Packers. So you've already kind of said Karlaftis might make an, not an impact, but he could play right away for the Packers. Is there a guy in the 22 to 28 range that would go and play September 8th or whatever the first weekend is of the NFL season? Is there a guy in that range that could play for the Packers right now? I think the position we haven't, we've mentioned, but haven't mentioned any names is the safety spot. And the reason we mentioned that is obviously for the future, but also in today's NFL, you're playing five or six defensive backs nearly every down. You're potentially looking at a guy like, like Dax Hill out of Michigan, who be a long-term starter at safety, but that guy can cover the slot receiver. So you can bring him in immediately and play what they, you know, the star position in the in the Packers defense, covering the slot receiver. He would be fantastic pick at 28. Whether he'll be there at 28 is questionable, simply because other than Kyle Hamilton, who's going somewhere in the top 10, Dax Hill is the next safety on the board. So it only takes one other team to want a safety. I think he'd be a great pick at 28. And I think if you stayed on the safety theme, I think that Lewis Seen of Georgia, who's a very similar player, I think he's a very smart player, plays downhill, really good against the run. You know, he will get downhill, shoot the gap and play the run. I think Lewis Seen of Georgia would, again, be a nice pick at 28. Peter, I am looking at your draft guide right now, the worldwide draft guide. And there are like eight Georgia players in the top 30. Yeah. And, it, and if you look at 
you know, you look at that Georgia defense because I think they're probably all defensive players, aren't they? Jordan yeah. Davis and, and 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 well, Pickens know. is somewhere in your top forty. I don't right. remember where he is exactly, but he's yeah. also in there. Like, how did they not blow out everybody by seventy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at that Georgia defense, and then and then Jalen Carter, who's defensive lineman for Georgia, may well be one of the top picks in next year's draft in the twenty twenty three draft. So that so. You could understand why Georgia won the national championship just by looking at at their talent. Yeah. If I'm answering Eric's question, and I know that Devondre Campbell just signed a huge contract with the Packers. If Nicobe Dean is there at 22 or 28, probably 28. I, I still think the Packers are going to pick a wide receiver with their first first round pick. I could be wrong. Of course, I've been wrong. Well, four million times in my life. But Nicobe Dean, even though that's not the biggest need, I think having two linebackers that can play on a consistent level would really change the way the Packers play defense. I think he could be an impact player on day one. I like Chris Barnes. I don't think Chris Barnes will ever have the physical tools you need to dominate a game. Whereas Devondre Campbell is that guy. I don't think Chris Barnes is. He has ability and he flashes some things, but I don't think consistently he's going to do it over time. Whereas I think Nicobe Dean might be that guy. He's athletic and strong. I think he can play. If he played next to Devondre Campbell, I think that would be spectacular. And I absolutely wouldn't, you know, wouldn't balk at that pick. I think that would be a great pick. I mean, Georgia have got three linebackers who, who are likely to go in the first three rounds. That's another position of... Of, of strength for them. I guess for me, that there's a kind of sweet spot in the second and third round for linebacker. If you don't pick one at 22 or 28, I think Leo Chanel of Wisconsin throw in the local guy. I, I think that, that he's got a good shot at going in round two or round three, and he's a good player. I think like all of those Wisconsin linebackers, plays the run really well, but I think he's underrated against the pass. When in coverage? Watch, yeah. When you watch him, he takes really good drops. He's very disciplined, disciplined like Devondre Campbell is in pass coverage. So he's not a guy that you're going to mash up one-on-one with a running back running wheel routes down the side of the field. That's not, not what he is. But he's too stiff very, for that. Yeah, he is. But he's very disciplined. He doesn't get out of position a lot. He takes good drops in, in zone coverage. So I think he's underrated in that part of his game. Troy Anderson's the other guy I like at, at linebacker. Montana State ran 4.3 something for this 40 in the in the combine but he's going to take a while to get up to speed so he's played like six or seven different positions in college including quarterback and you know everywhere but carrying the water so he's that kind of that kind of guy but he absolutely blew people away with what he did at the combine and i think he's a guy that you could div- he's probably not going to come in and start straight away so he's probably not that guy but i think he's he has the potential and upside to be a long-term starter, and I think he's going to be a special teams deep with that speed. I mean, I, th- I think there's a there is a sweet spot of linebackers in rounds two and three if if they go that direction. So you sort of answered the next question that I was going to ask. This is from Paul Woodhead, also on Twitter. Where are the sweet spots in this draft where knees are most likely to meet value for the Packers? I would say wide receiver because this is a deep wide receiver draft. That's I mean that's a Packer need, and there's a real sweet spot. We talked about it last episode where there are enough guys where you should be able to get a guy in the first and second round, which is absolutely a need for the Packers. You talked about Isaiah Likely, the tight end from Coastal Carolina. 
I would consider that a need. And I would say that if he goes in the third or fourth round, like you expect him to go, that is also a value spot for the Packers. So I think that either one of those positions, if you can get a a guy there first or third, a first round wide receiver, clearly everybody knows this, a third or fourth round tight end. I think that is also a sweet spot for the Packers in this draft. What are other sweet spots? Yeah, I think that's a hundred, hundred percent spot on. And and this is a, a tight end group where other than Trey McBride, who may go at towards the end of the first round, probably goes in the second round. You've got this kind of huge uplift then of guys in the third or fourth round. You've mentioned likely Jelani Woods is the other guy out of Virginia for me that I think we talked about before. So absolutely end of day two, start of day three, tight end in that area absolutely is a really sweet spot because there's so many of those guys in in that area I think eventually I think the Packers will look corner you know they've got the the starting three fantastic starting three on paper that we know about you know Jair Stokes and Rizal Douglas but I think corner is another one of those positions where you can't have enough guys you know when you start looking at the fourth or fifth or even sixth corner I think you start looking in those middle rounds There's a guy that I absolutely love. So there's huge numbers of corners in the third and fourth round area. So again, in that kind of sweet spot, there's a guy that I absolutely love. It's Marcus Jones out of Houston. And I love him as much for his returning ability as his ability to play corner. I think he will be a really good slot corner in the NFL, but he's small. He's 5'8", 5'9", but he's probably the best return guy. I mean, we've just talked about Desmond Howard. He could potentially be the Packers' best return guy since Desmond Howard. For me, he's the best pure return guy coming out of college in a decade. It's tied for the NCAA record in turns for touchdowns. And I'll tell you who he reminds me of. And I'm really showing my age now as a returner. Billy White Shoes Johnson. That really shows my age, doesn't it? It does a bit, yeah. The old Houston Oiler, Atlanta Atlanta Falcon. He was a wide receiver, but as a returner, that reminds me of. But I think there's a whole bunch of names in that third, fourth, fifth round area corners that you could look at there's a whole bunch of them that were running under 4-4 Tariq Woolen who's probably going purely because of his speed in probably round two ran 4-2-6 something like that in the 40 probably the Packers won't take him because it's probably slightly too early for the Packers to take a corner but I think in that third fourth fifth round there's whole bunches of guys that, that have got speed and I think that's the Packers will look there at some point where do you foresee Marcus Jones going in the draft? Third, fourth, fifth, did you say? I didn't. Right. I've got him down as a fourth or fifth round pick. So he's just had surgery on both shoulders. So clean up surgery on both on both shoulders. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay for training camp in the summer. So it was late summer. That in itself probably dropped him down around. I thought he was going to be around about a third round pick. So I think that if you get him in the fourth, even in the fifth, I don't think he'll drop to round five. But if you could, I think you're getting a third round talent with a fourth round pick potentially. As we know, special teams is a humongous need for the Packers. That difference maker that we talked about. There hasn't been a difference maker in a very, very long time on special teams. So that'd be nice to see. So I think that fits the sweet spot also. I mean, and again, you're going to need a guy. You need young guys that come in and fill holes. Sloop Dog asks, how many first round talent guys will be available at pick 44? This is Brown's Twitter, but that's okay. We'll talk about it too. There are two guys for me, and I hope I don't steal yours. Two guys who I think have first-round physical ability, so I don't know if that's first-round talent or not, but that's where I'm going to go. I think the Pennings kid out of Northern Iowa, 
who is athletic, but I don't think he is a first round pick. He has first round talent, but he will not be a first round pick. Now the, the Browns don't need offensive linemen as much as they need like defensive linemen, right? Cause they can't stop yeah. anybody. And they also need wide receivers. So on that note, I think that I was reading some things today that the Pickens kid out of Georgia, they're talking about character concerns for him. So I will say late first round talent guy that may go in the second round around pick 44. I think Pickens might be that guy. Hello to Sloop Dog. Thanks yeah. for chiming in. <laughs> Absolutely. An interesting draft for the Browns not having a first round pick. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they're looking for a defensive end to play opposite Miles Garrett. They're looking for help in the middle of the defensive line and wide receiver. And perhaps a sneaky need at tight end uh, that, you know, they've got um, and Joku, Austin Hooper's moved on. So they may have a sneaky need at, at tight end. But, you know, if I were them, I think, I think Pickens at that pick is a great pick. He's strangely one of those guys, and you can almost lump two or three of these receivers together, like Christian Watson with Pickens. They're not the same type of receiver, but I'm lumping them together, and Sky Moore of Western Michigan as well. I'm lumping them together because these are almost guys that you, you could see going anywhere from 28 to 58. And you can make a case. Any of us sit here and make a case for them going at 28, and you could make a reason for them not going to 58. So I think Pickens would be a, a very nice pick at 44. I think Christian Watson would be a very nice pick at 44. Different type of receiver. I and mean, Watson's got a lot of speed, 6'4". Drops more passes than you'd like, but Watson in there. If they wanted to go tight end, Trey McBride of Colorado State may be there at that point. I guess on the defensive line, Travis Jones of Connecticut. And there's lots of people who are already mocking him in towards the end of the, the end of the first round. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's a lot to choose between him and Devontae Wyatt, who we talked about earlier. Travis Jones at 44, defensive tackle would be a, would be a nice pick. I think there's lots there for the for the Browns to look at. Plenty of wide receivers. If that's the route that they want to go, they're going to get absolute value at 44 because there's so many of those guys. So there are guys that could go in the first round at wide receiver that won't just on the sheer volume of talent at wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, you look at the, the top four and then you add Traylon Burks, you add Jahan Dotson. So that's six that could go in the first 35 picks, but one or two of those could drop further down. And we haven't even got then as far as talking about Pickens and Christian Watson and Sky Moore, even John Mechie of Alabama, an early third round guy, but it's really nice, nice receiver that somebody could get early in round three. So I think there's loads of those guys at wide receiver. And that's, if I was Cleveland on the face of it, that's probably where I would be going. So that is all for our questions with friends. Again, thank you to Paul, Eric, and Sloop Dog for sending them in. We've almost covered every position. I guess one, one we really haven't touched on too much is offensive line. I've got a sneaking suspicion, and I don't know why, that Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College, guard center, who may, who may actually center in the NFL, is in play for the Packers at either 22 or 28. It reminds me a lot of Elton Jenkins with that versatility. The question marks about what happens when Jenkins comes back. Does he play guard? Does he move out to right tackle or left tackle? We, we don't know. So I think that Zion Johnson, and I, and I keep posting it on Twitter. I've been posting it on Twitter for about 10 days now. Don't be surprised if Zion Johnson is one of the Packers picks at 22 or 28. It's just a sneaking suspicion that I've, that I've got. 
what is his biggest strength or, or is it just an accumulation of this guy can play football? I think that when you look at him, he reminds he reminds you of El- Elton Jenkins. He's not quite as tall as Elton Jenkins, but you wouldn't notice that on the field. And he can really move. There's a really good run blocker. And I think in the Packers running scheme, the outside zone running scheme, you want a guy that can move, he can really move. He worked out at center at the senior bowl. There's lots of talk that that's where he may end up eventually. And I just think with this adding his traits to the fact that the Packers like so much to have those guys that can play multiple spots I just think he kind of fits that packer mold they have had quite a few offensive and defensive line men in for interviews or virtual interviews or things like that you win in the trenches right I mean that's what it comes down to you you need to have guys that can play in the trenches that otherwise you can't win games with that I don't want to say that really matter but you got to win those games in the trenches late in the season and in the playoffs. Uh, lots of question marks, aren't there, about the offensive line? We touched on Bakhtiari. We touched on Josh Nyman. You know, Lucas Patrick has moved on. Josh Myers was out injured for half of last year. Elton Jenkins is currently injured. On paper, there's a great-looking offensive line, but there's also lots of questions around that offensive line. And you know that even if all of those guys are fit, you're going to lose somebody. If they went tackle at 22 or 28, there's lots of those guys in the first and second round again it wouldn't be the sexy pick it wouldn't be the pick that lots of fans would want you know we're looking for the wide receiver that's going to catch 100 passes and have 1500 yards receiving if you are drafting a wide receiver or any position and you ask them to do things that are out of their comfort zone you're not going to get the value that you want that's what you said many many times so I go back to Chris Olave the Packers expect wide receivers to put their hands on guys in the run game So as much as I loved Chris Olave, now that I've kind of like thought about it a bit, I'm starting to think, I don't think he's the guy for me because he won't, he might be able to, but he's never blocked guys, like you said. So then I don't know. I want a guy that can be physical, at least put their hands on guys to be a Packer wide receiver. Yeah. And and I think that, I mean, when you look at any of these guys, particularly this group of wide receivers, because this is a great example group. They all give you something slightly different. And so I think whichever one that you hopefully end up with, maybe two, they're going to give you this, but they don't But they don't give you that. And I think it's about understanding what those things are that they don't give you. You're not going to expect Chris Olave to come in and be able to do those things that, that, that you've just described. And if that's the guy that you want, then he's not your guy. If you're picking him and knowing you've got a plan for him and you're not going to ask him to do those things, you know, he's a silky smooth receiver. He's going to beat teams deep make every catch doesn't go over the middle a lot so you so so you're not gonna you're not gonna ask him to go over the over the middle is horses for courses if i want that guy that's gonna gonna go over the middle and catch a lot of contested balls then i'm looking at drake london i'm looking at a a trail on burks but again you know burks gives you that but doesn't have great speed don't expect to get somebody that's going to beat you deep you can look at all of those wide receivers and there's reasons to pick them and reasons why that why they may not and this is where it, it becomes all very difficult doesn't it because you get to a judgment could be that Wilson, that Alave, that Jamison Williams, Drake London are all off the board in the first 15 picks. That's quite possible. And then you get to the Packers at 22 and thinking, I know that there's other guys out there. If I hang on to the second round, how many of those are still going to be there? Because if there's another run on wide receivers early in round two, then all of a sudden I'm not, I may not get one in at the end of round two. Or do I hang on to 28? and see who's that it it becomes a very difficult situation and and you're almost damned if you do and damned if you don't 
And if it's anything like every other draft that Gutenkins has had, it won't be the guy that we all expect it to be. I think we're all drafted out. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 81, the Desmond Howard episode of The Average Cheese. Go back, go. Go back, go.